Hello, survivors. This is Annie, and you're listening to the Starting Over Stronger Divorce Survival and Recovery Show. Today's SOS Survivor's Own Storyteller is Jessica. Jessica Stroud is an insurance agent by trade, but her trade is not what she is most known for. Jessica has a vibrant social media presence. She is very pink, and if you follow her on the socials, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I think the first thing she would tell you is that insurance is boring, and that's not what she wants to talk about today. I told her sometimes we do talk about insurance because it's important during divorce, but she wanted to be on the show for another reason. Jessica wanted to bring her engaging and enjoyable style here to the show to tell us her story of divorce and her unique takeaway from that experience, which she has said is just the fact that although it's so easy to see divorce as an ending, the important thing to remember as you close that chapter is that it is not just an ending. It is also an exciting new beginning. That has been true in her life, and I know for a fact it can be true in yours as well. Welcome to the Starting Over Stronger Show, where you'll find help and hope for your divorce survival and recovery. Divorce well, live well. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thanks so much for being here. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you and your audience today. Very good. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Where in the world are you? What do you do? Your family? Whatever you want to tell us about. Oh, I'd like to say it's super interesting, but it's it's not. Although I am writing a book about it. So I, I like to joke about that. I grew up at, on the corner of poverty and dysfunction. But even <laughs> I think that we would all agree that I didn't know we were neighbors, Jessica. I never <laughs> You're like, hey, I'm across the street from you. I, you know, but I, I just like with with everything that happens, I look back on it. And I'm like, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. So I have mainly lived just within Missouri and Kansas. And right now I live in a suburb of Kansas City, which is Lenexa, just outside of Kansas City on the Kansas side. And I've been married. I We were discussing it the other day. I think we're coming up on 17 years this summer. Right. I think it'll be our 17-year wedding anniversary. Yeah, we got two. Very good. Two kids. You know, I'm very vanilla, right? I got mm-hmm. 17 years of marriage, two kids, two dogs. I own an insurance agency, which, you know, insurance <laughs> can be pretty boring. I live in the middle of the United States. Oh, and I'm middle-aged. So that's all right, though. You're pretty much an average American. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Well, try trying to not be so average, but yeah, I just I joke. I live in the middle. I have a boring product. I have two kids, two dogs. Blah blah. That's okay. It's a good life, though. Hey, you know, some call it average. Others call it relatable because we're all there. I I call it blessed. That's what I call it. Exactly. Well, very good. Well, thank you. And Jessica, you agreed to come on the show today not to talk about insurance because if I recall, you said that's boring. You just said it again. No one wants to talk about that. Although I did say in the intro to the to the listeners, we do talk about insurance on this show sometimes because it's a fact of life with, especially with uh, divorce. And, you know, we're not trying to make it exciting. We just know it needs to be talked about. So anyway, Absolutely. but you had another reason you wanted to come and share today. So tell us what that was. When you and I were talking about what are we going to talk about? The, the reason why I said 
nobody wants to talk about insurance, but I do have some things I want to share at the end, just some little tips and things. Okay. I, I think so many people, so I am divorced. I was one of those really, really smart girls that got married when I was 20, right? Like so many of us in that time in our lives, we're just trying to grow up, right? We're just trying to assert our independence. We're just trying to be, you can't hold me back. I'm the boss of me. So yep. <laughs> watch me do this. And I think so many, so many times when with divorce and with other things that when something doesn't work out the way we planned, we see it as a failure. And mm-hmm. When I look back on my divorce, right, we affectionately call it my practice marriage. When I look (laughs) back on that, going through it, like so many of your listeners might be going through or have been, it can be gut-wrenching. It can be terrible. It can be the worst thing that you can imagine for yourself. But it's not an, yes, it's sad when things end, but it's such a beginning. It's such a I now I get to start the next chapter of my life. So I just wanted to have a conversation around that. Yeah. I would love for us to stop seeing divorce as an ending and start seeing it as a beginning. Once mm-hmm. you make that difficult decision, things change and for the for the most part it gets worse before it gets better, but then there's this whole new better that comes along with that. Absolutely, there is. Yes. And in fact, once I had a guest on the show, who talked about this concept in a way that I had not ever heard it languaged this way. And I love it. And I've used it many times since when we talk about a marriage coming to an end, we use that word all the time, an end, or a failure. But he presented the concept of thinking of it as completed. Mm. That part of my life has completed. And I'm moving on to the next chapter, like you said. And I, and I think that's a great thing that everybody listening needs to have drilled into their head several times. So we're going to, we're going to start by uh, just let's actually just back up a little bit and hear your story of divorce and what it's led to in your life. In your life. Uh, if you would, please just give the listeners a little perspective on who you are. You know, you said you grew up at the corner of poverty and dysfunction. (laughs) So what was home like life for you? Any childhood recollections or just anything that you feel compelled to share about you and your life that led to your original practice marriage and then divorce and how that's played out in your life. Take all the time you need. I do sometimes jump in with questions as you go, but just tell us the story. All right. So my parents, I I don't remember them ever being married. Um, They met in the Navy. Um, my brother who is just two years older than me was born before they were married and then they got married and I was born. And unfortunately I remember my dad telling me once the only reason why I started dating your mom is because she was the only women on base on the Navy base that had a car. So when you come from an example like that, you don't know how to be married. Right. So we go through and there was, there's, um, different medical things that I had to deal with growing up. Um, and just, it's a a blood clotting disorder that I have. And so, you know, early teens into late teens, there was so much of my life that I couldn't control. And I think once we get into college and and even beyond, we just want to control things. We just want to be in control and grow up. Right. And so I, just wanted to be grown up, like I to assert my 
independence. And so I was dating someone and he asked me to marry him. Now, of course, the red flag is if they still live with their parents, they probably don't know how to take care of themselves, but whatever, that's fine. So (laughs) again, it was two kids asserting their independence that didn't really know how to be married, right? We didn't even know how to take care of ourselves. And then it was like, great, we both don't, we don't know how to take care of ourselves. Hey, let's get together because we don't know how to take care of each other. <laughs> I'm sure so that'll I, work out, right? <laughs> right. And so some, uh, I know some of your, some of the listeners and the ladies there, they're in very difficult situations, right? They're in very complicated or very negative relationships. And that's not how it was for me necessarily. It was just, we got into this marriage. I'm just going to be real with you. I was not very nice, right? I was just, I was trying to control myself, control him. Mm. And so after about a year and a half, two years, I looked at myself and I thought, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't where I want to go. And while he was a, a very nice person, our levels of ambition, I could tell were just very different, not wrong or bad, just very different. And so um, at one point he said, well, we could go to counseling. You can change. And I thought, I don't want to change. I know I'm different and I'm, I'm okay with that. And the things that I want from my life. So is this, this wake up call of, is this really where you want to be now as difficult as that is, The next step, you know, obviously, you, you know, is, oh, now I got to end this. (laughs) It's almost like the easy step is coming to the realization of this isn't where I want to be, because then you come back to now I have to do something about this. So I actually, I had to go to him and say, this isn't what I want, right? So that's when I went to him and said, this isn't what I want. This isn't where I want to be. And then he said, well, do you want to try counseling? Do you want to do this? You can, can go here. We, you can change. And I had to just be real honest with myself about, I don't want to change. That's not what I want to do. And I love what you said about the gentleman saying that it's run its course, right? It's because when we, we finish reading a book, we're not sad that, I mean, sometimes you might be sad that it's over, but it's the end of the book when mm-hmm. you change careers, you might be a little sad, but you're like, okay, great. Something ne- something new is coming. When you sell a business, it's the end of that. So I, I made the decision. I was like, this is it. No, we're going to get separated. We're going to get divorced. And he, we had a, a little house that we lived in and he moved out. And the first night I was in that house, I was alone and I got scared. Mm. I wasn't scared somebody was going to break in. I wasn't scared. I was going to be in physical danger. It was just the weight of the decision sat on me. Now I'm alone. And that I just remembered that was the most loneliest night ever. And unfortunately I was so young. I think I was 21 when we got divorced or started the divorce proceedings or whatever. I was so young. I wasn't able to process those emotions. So guess what I did the next day, called him and asked him to come back. Mm, Yeah. And so, um, oh, I made a mistake, come back, whatever. And he did move back in. And it's like, oh, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) Because nothing had changed, right? It's not like 
we had worked through things and we were a better couple. Nothing had changed except I had just been slapped in the face with this loneliness, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do with it. So of course, a couple months later, same story, you you got to go. So did you know immediately that it was a mistake or did it take some time? Just within probably a couple of days, just like two days. I don't want to say that very day. Yeah. Yeah. Just within a couple of days because you get back into your old routines and, and mm-hmm. of course the, the fear went away when I wasn't lonely anymore. And like I made the decision from fear, which never leads to a good decision. Nope. <laughs> Definitely <So>. does not. <laughs> and I did, I didn't call a friend. I didn't phone a friend and talk through it. And I didn't have anyone in my life that was like, okay, it's all right. You're going to remember what you said. You, this isn't where you want to be. This isn't who you want to be with. This isn't, but like with anything, I learned so much about myself from that relationship, about yeah. how, who I was looking for. And it was just within a couple of months that I actually allowed myself to sit down and say, who do you really want to be with? Like, what kind of person do you really want to be a partner with? And I had a piece of paper and I wrote it on a piece of paper, the kind of partner that I wanted, because I, I knew even at that age, I would get married again. And I knew I wanted to have children. So it was like, yes, but who do you want to walk with? Instead Mm -hmm. of trying to be the leader or trying to be a follower, who do you want to walk with? So I made that list. And then I had to go back to that list and go, now, what kind of a partner that person want? And I had to look at myself and go, now, what do you need to clean up? What do you need to get right in your life? so that you can attract that kind of a partner. I just got to tell you, that is just amazing that you figured that out on your own at 21. Because I might have turned 22 at that point, but yeah. Well, I mean, I say that because I did the exact same thing. And I've talked about that on other shows that I've done. But it came by recommendation of my therapist at like age 44, or 43 or somewhere in there. And, you know, when, when I knew that I was going to go through a divorce and I began to think about the future, he said, write down everything, the main things that you want in a partner. And then next to each one of those, write what you would need to be to attract that person. And I did that. And I'll tell you what, it, it is the reason I think that dating was not the nightmare for me that it was for, that it is for so many people. Because you had standards and it Mm -hmm. wasn't a one-sided standard. It wasn't, this is what he needs to have. This isn't, it wasn't just, this is who he needs to be. It's I've worked on myself Mm -hmm. to attract that. And I deserve that because I put in the work on myself. Right. And like attracts like, I mean, if, if you're not, if you're, if you're seeing what you want and what you need to be to have that, and you know, you don't have those qualities yet, you're at maybe 70% of that. Okay. Well, guess who you're going to attract? Somebody who's at 70% of that, right? <laughs> so if you really want to have all of those qualities in your next partner, you've got to do the work first before you start dating. It just made me think of something that in my mind, I just connected it to you take someone who has worked for 10 years to make a million dollars, or you take someone who wins a million dollars in the lottery. That's Mm -hmm. two different mindsets. And they handled that money differently. One feels like they've earned it and they deserve it. And then the, the lottery winner 
off topic, of course, here, but I've, I've seen shows and read studies where they don't feel deserving of the money. And so it leaves them very quickly. Mm-hmm. Cause that's something else growing up that we didn't ever talk about money. I didn't know anything about that. So that was one of the things on my list. It's like, girl, you gotta get your finances together. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We get some stuff cleaned up. <laughs> yeah. So how long did you work on you at that point? Um, it would have been, well, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I didn't start dating. Right. Cause of course <laughs> I did, you know, you're going right, to the bars, right. all the, but it, it was different for me at moving forward because I was going to, the bars going down on the plaza, which is a, a entertainment district here in Kansas City, and just being very social. And I would meet people in these social settings. And I was working on myself. And I would just think, I don't want to meet my next spouse in a bar. I don't yeah. know that I want to, not that there's anything wrong with that, right? But I had to look at who was I meeting out in these areas. And then it was okay, well, where are you going to find that person? Yeah. Now let's remember this was almost 20 years ago. And while online dating is definitely acceptable and encouraged now was not. And so mm-hmm. I, I had to get, not only did I have to work on, did I have to have a vision of who I wanted to be with? I had to work on myself. I also had to say, where am I going to meet this person? Yeah. So I, I uh, read an article about online dating and, um, Cosmo magazine. And I was like, well, let's find out what this is. Cause it was all unknown. Yeah, true. But that worked out for us. So, <laughs> so is that where you, you met him online? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Long, long, long time ago. So okay. but he, he, you know, lived 45 minutes away. And um, unless I was going to be on the golf course, I wasn't going to meet him. So <laughs> we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have, our paths wouldn't have crossed any other way. But again, it was asking the difficult questions. Is what I'm doing exactly what you said? Am I attracting? Are my behaviors and my thoughts attracting who I want to be with? And expecting to meet someone in a bar was just not, that wasn't going to happen for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I might've got us off track a little bit with that little thing, but I just couldn't believe you were just sitting there describing the exact exercise that I went through. (laughs) You didn't get us off topic. I was talking about the lottery. So... Okay, so back to your story. You <laughs> you had you had left off with you're you're at this place where you're exploring yourself and you're you know you your I guess your relationship your marriage was was over you you had closed that door. How did you transition to you know really seeing that as a new beginning? So after the initial shock and the initial fear and the oh well that was a bad decision. letting him move back in. Right. Yeah. I remembered saying to my mom, I don't want to be divorced, but then, but then I had been, my parents had all very openly been in bad and unpleasant and hateful marriages. And again, what I said as terrible as that was, I could look at that and go, but I don't want that. Right. I lived through that with them. That's not okay for me. Yeah. Once I cut it off that it was, well, I mean, I knew all along it was the right decision. I I knew getting married was not a good decision to begin with, but I got down that path to where, oh, the cater's been booked. The church has been booked. People are invited that, you know, the invites have went out. Everybody, you know, you got your dress, your girls got their dress. I knew going into it, I shouldn't have been doing it. But again, I wasn't strong enough to just stop and say, what am I doing? So once I processed the, this isn't the person I want to be. Now I'm young, right? I'm young at that time. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say it was easy for me, but I do want to acknowledge that my story and my decision was probably a lot easier for me than some of the listeners to your podcast, because let's, let's, let's be honest, right? We had a little, a small house. Uh, we each had our own cars, right? We had a little bit of furniture. There weren't a lot of assets to divide up. We didn't have children. We didn't own a business together. And so I don't want to pretend like, oh, my divorce was so terrible because I, I know that there are others that just have the decision means a decision to divorce or to to leave your spouse or the relationship that you're in might be way more difficult than than what I had to go through. But I did look at that and say, yeah, I'm 21, right? I've A, I've got the rest of my life ahead of me and I'm 42 now. And I still look at, I honestly believe I'm middle age, meaning I will live to be 80. Mm-hmm. So I still have that attitude of I've got the rest of my life ahead of me. But it was, it was once I made the decision and I had the little stumble, I just, I didn't go back. I was like, nope, that's it. And I, I was the one that kept things moving forward. I was the one that called the lawyer. I was the one that did all that. And once it was done, it was just, it was a weight, a weight off of my shoulders because you can't see the full positivity or you can't see the full spectrum of what's possible until you're out of it. Yeah. And then I could laugh and go, why'd you ever do that? Like, why did you even get into that? And that's all right. Right. That's all right. We've all had different missteps and and failures. And most of them we don't beat ourselves up about, but why do we beat ourselves up so much about? Today's episode is sponsored by Katrera Law, helping people when bad things happen. Kansas City divorce attorney Nick Katrera has been offering strong yet compassionate legal representation for almost two decades, voted best of the bar seven times, and the coveted super lawyer three years running. He's earned these honors as an effective litigator who works hard to avoid litigation where fair settlements are possible. Every case is different. Kutrera Law successfully tries or settles cases where both parents gain substantial, meaningful contact with children, or which a parent's visitation is restricted based on the best interests of the kids, also increasing or decreasing child support based on present financial circumstances. Each case is litigated according to its own merit. The choice of an attorney is a personal decision that should not be made based on advertising alone. As always, Starting Over Stronger Coaching recommends interviewing a few attorneys before making your selection. If you are in the Kansas City area, I highly recommend making Nick Catrera one of those calls. Call Catrera Law at 816-525-5226 or visit CatreraLaw.com. That's C-U-T-R-E-R-A-L-A-W.com. Please tell them you heard about them on Starting Over Stronger. Now back to the show. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And another thing I want to point out is that, you know, you're talking about, you know, the fact that your divorce is different from some of those listening, you know, that you maybe had an easier go of it because you were younger and less entanglements. But at the same time, you know, the positive of that is, Probably most of us who stayed in our marriages for, you know, 20 years or so could 
point to a time early on in the relationship before or after the marriage happened when we had our doubts about it and we you know for whatever reason stuck it out maybe it's because we already had kids maybe it's because we just were too afraid to be alone you know there's a lot of different reasons that go into that but many of the women that i work with as a divorce coach and and myself included and uh, have just talked about this fact that you know i should have known i should have done something different way back then and yet that's kind of like life right i mean you can look at that anything in your life with that perspective and that doesn't really it's not really a productive way to look at it because the reality is that we all you know time keeps on moving you know no matter what and we make the decisions that we make at the time we make them with the information that we have and the capabilities that we have and we learn as we go and so you know it is yes it may or may not be easier to divorce young than to divorce older but at the same time you know the same feelings are being processed and the same realities exist in in many ways with regard to just the completion of that chapter and the beginning of a new. And so that's really what we want to focus on here today. I have a, a core belief that everyone is doing the best they can with what they have at the time. Mm -hmm. As a woman, as a mom, as a business owner, as a leader. And so you're, I love what you said, basically, like you got to give your past self some grace. The 25 year old you who decided to stay in that marriage when she knew she should leave, let's give her some grace because she was do making decisions with the best she had. And we, you can't like, exactly like you said, you can't go back and change it. So why beat yourself up about it for a decision you made 10 years ago? Yeah. And on top of that, a lot of women feel like they're they're wishing their children away when they have thoughts like that. And I always encourage them, you know, no, yeah, you don't want to talk to your kids about the fact that you wish you had divorced their dad before they were born. <laughs> because that obviously leads to the inevitable question of, well, then I wouldn't exist, you know, which really is the fact that, you know, that really emphasizes what I'm saying, which is, you can't go back and change anything. Oh. All you can do is learn from it and keep going. And and furthermore, try to get to a place where you can look at all of that and realize it was all a part of the plan, a right. part of your story. And it all had to happen for a reason. And you wouldn't be where you are today or who you are today if you didn't go through every single one of the things that you've gone through in your life. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we can look at look at that and look at our kids and even the memories that we've created, the good ones, because I'm sure there are some good ones and just be grateful for it. It can mm -hmm. be grateful for anything. And then use, that, use that gratitude to do what you got to do. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story. And you definitely have a great perspective on the whole concept that we're talking about here today. And I'm sure listeners will take away something helpful from what you've shared. So thank you. My thoughts on this are, let's look at it from a perspective of, you know, the person sitting here listening and how they can focus on the new beginning that's coming after their divorce rather than the ending that they're currently enduring. And obviously, 
the first few weeks and months after a divorce, or certainly in the middle of a divorce, we are probably fairly focused on the ending of it all. And rightfully so. We're grieving the death of what we intended to be forever when we said those vows. Mm -hmm. And no matter what led to the eventual demise or completion of the marriage, you know, the reality is here we are and we are just muddling through. So what do you recall about making that transition to be able to focus toward your future and the new beginning rather than dragging along through that ending? The biggest gift that I got from that was you, I had to be honest with myself, you made a bad decision, Mm -hmm. but you can fix it. Well, fix is probably the wrong word. You can change it. You're Mm -hmm. going down a road you know you shouldn't be going down. That sucks. It's going to be terrible to end this decision. There are many people involved. But once you get through that, like if it's your fault, you can make it right. If you messed it up, you have the ability to change it. And I just had to be honest with myself and say, okay, that wasn't good. And now what are we going to do about it? And if we, if we, if we look at it like we have a decision, I think so many women feel like they don't have a decision. Like I'm here and I'm stuck. What? Mm-hmm. That's like that's like you buy a pair of shoes. They don't fit. You you get blisters on your feet. Do you keep wearing those shoes every single day for the rest of your life? No, you buy new shoes. And I'm not I'm not trying to trivialize or minimalize a marriage by any means, but if you made the decision once you the, and you feel like it's the wrong one, once you realize that you have the power. Once I looked at it like that, it was very empowering. It was okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get through this as gracefully as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. I decided to end the marriage. Therefore, I'm not going to try to be a jerk to anyone. I'm not going to try to keep everything. I'm not going to try to manipulate anyone. My goal is to get to the end. And yeah. Once I get to the end, and it can be scary because now it's like, okay, now what do I do? I'm all by myself. But it was very empowering at the same time that I no longer stayed on a path that I wasn't supposed to be on. It can be so scary to jump onto a path you know you're supposed to be on, but you just had to step out of the boat. You just have to trust that that something better is out there. Yeah. And sometimes that's just putting one foot in front of the other, not overthinking things for a while until the emotions level off a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I like to look at things. If I feel like something's not working for me, I like to look at it and go, what's the complete opposite of this? So am I really going to stay in this? Am I going to stay married to this person for the rest of my life? No, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to stay married to this person for the rest of my life. If that's your answer, (laughs) then Mm -hmm. the opposite is I will find someone who is absolutely amazing. That's the opposite. But you can't do that until you give yourself forgiveness. You just have to forgive forgive and, and know that something much better is coming. And I think that's a great exercise to look at what's the best case scenario. But another good one is honestly, when you're really stuck and we're in worry and anxiety about something is to just let your mind go to the worst case scenario uh-huh. and think about what you would do. Because the reality is your brain is telling you that you couldn't handle it, that you would not be okay. But the truth is, no matter what happens, you have a history. If you look back in your life, all of the things that you have struggled through, you would have at one point thought you could never manage or handle. And Gosh. yet you did. That's and so yep, that's if perfect. you allow your brain to go there and just go, 
What if I end up alone forever? What if I struggle financially? What if this? What if that? Okay, let's go there. Mm-hmm. Let's look at it. What would happen? It's it's like you're a professional or something with those questions. <laughs> well, I've lived all this stuff, just like that. <laughs> well, you haven't just lived it. You have helped so many other women through your services and your coaching get through all of this. That, you know, you talk about support systems. I didn't have a support system. And I know that so many people that come to you don't have a support system and you become their support system. You're the voice of reason. You ask them these incredible questions just like that to help them process the emotions. Yeah. Process the emotions and discover their inner strengths. Because the truth is you go into this thinking you're a mess and you're hopeless and you're, you know, never going to be able to handle this. And the truth is you are, we all have all of these abilities within us, this wisdom within us. We just have, it's just gotten so muddled by the circumstances of our life that we need somebody to remind us of who we are and draw that out and help us discover that we can handle this. And we can make smart decisions and we can get connected where we need to get connected so we can get the help we need. So, and that's really the next question that I had for you was when you think about the steps that you took in walking that out and transitioning from this is a horrible, no good, very bad, terrible day (laughs) to, okay, this is the first day of the rest of my life. What am I going to do with it? How, what were some of the steps that you can remember taking the first step was I had to take ownership of it. That's I, this was my decision. Nobody made me get married. This was my decision. Mm-hmm. I was not a victim of anything, right? Nobody yeah. made me. So once I decided this isn't where I wanted to be, I took ownership and then I had to decide, okay, now what am I going to do about it? I decided ultimately to end my marriage and it, like I said, it can get worse before it gets better, but I owned the decision I knew that I had the power to change course. And so I did. At some point, it comes down to you just did. Yeah. You just did it. You just said the words, I want divorce. You just said the words that nobody wants wants to say. Mm -hmm. And then from there, like you were saying, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to know what the next step is. And as the next step came up, I just took the next step. Yeah. And you had to get help. Obviously, you had to have an attorney, probably. What other kinds of support did you surround yourself with? Or did you just go it alone? Well, I just went it alone. Um, I didn't, again, I wasn't real. Yeah, yeah, I could, you know, my mom had been married three times, divorced twice, and was in a very hateful marriage for 38 years. So that wasn't someone that I could necessarily lean on. My dad had been married and divorced three times. That wasn't someone I could lean on. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any kind of a support system. I had a friend. I knew her husband was a, um, an attorney. He actually wasn't even a divorce lawyer. It was more like a, a civil kind of a lawyer. And I just went to him and I said, I need to get divorced. And we didn't even get separate lawyers. We used the same lawyer because basically we just needed someone to file the paperwork. So this, again, this was like 22 years ago or something in the state of Missouri, things are different now, but it was very amicable and he didn't even get a lawyer and we just kind of muddled through it. Wasn't a lot of support because once the decision was made, I had the little misstep. I didn't really want to talk about it. Because you can yeah. talk, a, you can talk a thing to death. I didn't want to talk about it. I yeah. just wanted to get it done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Juris KC, attorneys you can understand. Specializing in family, business, property, and general law, attorneys Higgins and Evans at Juris KC are great at understanding your needs and explaining the legal process in language you really can relate to. They understand you, you can understand them, they're available, and they're good at what they do. Best of all, they get it and they're affordable. For custody, divorce, high conflict, pre and post-nup, modifications, paternity, grandparents' rights, not to mention business, property, and general law, Juris KC brings years of experience and a team dedicated to helping you realize your goals. Remember, the decision of hiring an attorney should never be made based on advertising alone. Want to know more? Call Juris KC at 913-764-8844 or visit juriskc.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-K-C.com. Please tell them you heard about them on Starting Over Stronger. Now back to the show. Well, that's good. And being younger and having less entanglements probably helps a lot with not needing as much support. So that may have not been something you needed as much as the people listening today might need. But did you struggle at all with limiting beliefs from that breakup or from anything in your past old tapes that replay in your head and try to suck you into a victim role of focusing on failure and ending rather than new beginnings? The stigma of actually being divorced was something that I carried around for quite a while because, oh, you're just another statistic. Oh, well, we knew that wasn't going to work. You know, just the things like that. Mm -hmm. But the good news is people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they are. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. They're just not thinking about us as much as we think. Yeah. You know, I've been married for quite a while now. I'm a little older and I can can joke about it. It's fine. But I was... I was ashamed of it when I was younger because, yeah, I made a really bad decision. Well, guess what? I've made several really bad decisions and you can just go around being ashamed of it or you can just own yeah. up to it, live from it and yeah. move on. It, so I didn't have any stigmas around, oh, you're going to be a- alone. or I, I didn't believe that about myself. Yeah, I knew that the reality was I was not going to be alone, right? It's absurd for me to think that if I got divorced at 22, I was going to be alone for the rest of my life. That's absurd. Okay, well, what's the opposite of that? The opposite is you will get married, you will have children, you will mm-hmm. you will be in a good relationship. That was the yeah. opposite. So I knew it was just the I didn't want to be divorced, but I just had to get over it. That was the only real stigma. Yeah. Well, and again, being younger might have helped, but you know, pretty much everybody I think that goes through a divorce, no matter what age they are, probably deals a little bit with that that shame of divorce, that maybe that feeling of damaged goods kind of thing. Like, you know, I think that's a struggle that a lot of people that a lot of people deal with. And you know, it's good to hear you say that that's something that you can overcome. And I think that's the main thing we want uh, people listening to to take away from today is there are steps that you can take to transition um, from those limiting beliefs to that feeling of a new beginning. Um, I know for me, one of those things was therapy. 
both mm. before, during, and after my divorce. But again, I was much older than you, and I'd been through a lot, and and I had stuff to deal with. And I think whether you go to a therapist or you just you know have a good friend or you hire a coach, somehow you know I think just investing in working on yourself, working on healing what's broken, or you know if we think back to that list you talked about making. What are the things that you need to do to attract what you're looking for? Uh, what would you say on that as far as what you did to fix those broken p- places in your life? I think a big hurdle for so many women is, let's say you know you don't want to be in this marriage. Let's say you make the list. Unfortunately, I think there's a huge number of women that look at that list and go, I don't deserve that person. Hmm. Because they, they've been in an unhappy marriage or a toxic situation for so long, they don't believe their self-worth. Yeah. And so if we look at, you were saying, what's the worst case scenario? Okay, well, what if your spouse comes to you and says, I want to end this relationship? Then they would be crushed, even though they don't really want to be in the relationship to begin with. Yeah. They would be crushed because they don't feel like they deserve better. So there has to, I feel like there has to be some kind of something. There's some kind of whatever you could speak to this way better than I could. The first step is they have to know that they deserve better. Yeah. It's a partnership and they deserve their happiness is a right. Yeah. Well, not only that, but they deserve to have a partner who's giving what they're getting, I guess, in a lot of situations that I'm involved in anyway you've got a really lopsided situation where, you know, a person is really putting their all into healing the broken places in the marriage and the other party is doing nothing or even sabotaging. Um, So, you know, it's a very imbalanced place and you deserve to, you know, really value yourself and who you are and what you bring to a relationship. And that's one of the next things I was going to talk about is just finding that old you. Like, you know, maybe you didn't deal with this quite as much because you were younger, or you didn't have as much of a transition point. But for that woman who's been married for 10, 15, 20, 25 or more years, she may need some time to really think who am I? I've lost myself in this marriage, trying to save it, trying to do everything I can. And I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. You know, that's a big thing I hear a lot. The the story after the divorce, I think is a common one with mine. Um, Somebody got a new haircut and somebody started going to the gym and I will tell you, (laughs) uh, yeah. So I got new hairstyle. I got new clothes. I got, and you know, again, I was working on myself, which was part of getting my finances in order. So I didn't have a ton of money, but I did, I got back to myself. I paid more attention to my body and I dropped some weight. I started paying more attention to what I looked like and how I carried myself. And it's exactly what you just said. Like got like Stella got a group back. That's exactly right. <laughs> and it's empowering. Hey, we're all walking stereotypes when we, <laughs> when we end right. the marriage. We're like, okay, now I'm going to get in shape. That's exa- <laughs> oh, isn't that terrible? But it is because, the, again, there's nothing. Now it's you're focused on yourself. You have to be focused on yourself. And it's, I think for so many women, it does give them the courage to look at themselves and go, yeah, kind of whip some of this into shape. But then it's encouraging to do so because there's not stuff that's holding them 
they think is holding them back in the relationship or the marriage. Yeah. And finding that old you is obviously, like you're saying, it's not just a physical thing of working out and, and losing weight or something. It's also finding that what did you want to do with your life? Who did you want to be? You know, what kind of relationship do you want to have? It's it's mental, physical, emotional, financial, everything. It's finding yourself and learning to love yourself and meet all your own needs. I talk about this a lot with my clients because it's very common to want to jump right into dating, sometimes before the divorce is even final. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> okay, go have your fun. But wait a second, you've got to learn to know who you are, to love who you are, and to meet all of your own needs, or you're going to go into your next relationship with a deficit and looking for somebody to fill that. That's not a good place to start a relationship. It's not a good foundation for a relationship. Can it survive? Sure. But it's not the ideal because really you want the relation, your next relationship to be the icing on the cake, right? That's right. I got very comfortable with being alone. Just like you said, I, I, I went and had my fun Friday night, Saturday night, whatever, but I woke up alone the next morning. I woke mm. up in my own bed the next morning. <clears throat> and if somebody wanted to take me to dinner, that was fine. I was meeting up with my girlfriends after dinner and I was going home alone. Yeah. I was, I was more worried about me. And, and interesting as that is, it makes you more of an attractive woman to have standards. It yeah. Does. I don't have time for you. I'm working on me. And he's like, wait, what? You're working on you? That's so different than everyone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. many benefits. So many benefits. Yes. Absolutely. And it just feels good. It's so empowering to, to come to a place where, when you think about dating and getting into a new relationship, you're like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. You know, like oh I, I jokingly say you shouldn't start dating until you almost have to grieve the loss of your own personal time and the, <laughs> the solitude and silence that you've been enjoying, you know, <laughs> like it's kind of a loss a little bit. <laughs> if I get into a relationship with you, I'm not going to be able to have my morning coffee and read. Do yeah. I really want to give that on, on Saturday mornings or whatever, right? Not forever. Right. Course, but do I really want to give up my alone time for this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I want every woman to get to that place because it's not, I see nothing negative about that at all. Yep. It is right. just, you know, coming to a place of wholeness within and going it alone really, really helps accomplish that. And that way you come into your next relationship at 90 some percent and you attract someone who's 90 some percent, not a project, not a pretty boy, not somebody who looks shiny on the surface. <laughs> I mean, the fact is we're all broken. None of us are going to get to 100%. We're always going to have issues. And no matter when we find ourselves in a new relationship, we're going to have to flesh that out. We're going to have to figure out how to unpack those things with each other if if both parties are willing. But we first have to fill our own cup and love our own selves and our own lives and let that be just the icing on the cake, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. Love yourself first. Exactly. So deciding what the most amazing future would look like for you and then starting to take steps to get there. How did that look for you? I didn't sit down and say, I want this house with this car, with this white picket fence. I want this many children. I want, I kind of did mine in reverse, mm. meaning here's what I don't want. Here's <laughs> what I don't want. Like, I don't want this. I don't want this. And so a lot of my life has actually been looking at other situations and saying, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I do want, but I know what I don't want. And so that helps to narrow down what I really do want. So I knew I wanted more of a partner 
I knew I wanted someone that would take the lead at certain times, but also let me take the lead at certain times. It wasn't a clear picture. It was more of a, a feeling and a direction. It's interesting the way you describe that, because I immediately had the thought that you're in the perfect career, because what you just described was risk, uh, risk assessment. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the perfect segue for (laughs) insurance. Let's talk about insurance. What What is somebody going through divorce need to know about their insurance situations? There. Now I'm coming from the the part of I'm going to protect you. All right. Mm -hmm. So the things that I'm going to tell you, I'm looking out for you. I'm not looking out for your future (laughs) ex-spouse. Okay. So the first thing that we have to, uh, and I'm going to tell you some, some, my, my girlfriend, Jessica insurance, right? Not necessarily what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. So the first thing, unfortunately, is your rate is going to change, right? We'll just stick with specifically car insurance. But if you look at an insurance policy, you get multi, multi-car multi discounts. And when you break away, you're probably not going to get that discount anymore because you're going to have a single car. And you mm-hmm. know what? That's okay. But also married, someone who is married gets a better insurance rate than someone who is not married. Again, mm-hmm. they don't ask my opinion on this, but just know that I just don't want you want the listeners to be shocked. And it doesn't matter what state you're in or or any of that. It's not specific to Kansas and Missouri, but as your policy changes, so will your rates, but it's worth it, right? You're going to be okay. Now that the downfall to that, another downfall is if your spouse um, has had um, accidents or anything like that. So I guess my suggestion here would be their past can still follow you on your insurance, right? So as soon as you know, okay, listen, we're, I got to, we're separating. You should probably get your own, at least auto policy, because what, what happens is, or if you are the main holder of the policy, you need to have them get your own, their own policy, because what you don't want is you're on the same policy together. He gets mad. He gets depressed. He goes out and gets drives drunk, gets in a terrible accident, that's going to follow you. Okay. Mm. So so don't, don't let the insurance be the last thing that you think about when you are looking at separating the assets and separating all of that. Just there are going to, it's not, it's, it's not going to be terrible, right? If you have an insurance agent that you trust call and tell them the situation and they can do what's called splitting you out into your own household, because what they can't do is if you call me and say, Jessica, I'm getting divorced. I need you to cancel my husband off of my insurance. Legally, I can't do that until he proves that he has insurance. But if you have an insurance agent that you trust, that's fine. Go to them, explain the situation. They will be professional. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Or if not, if you feel like, okay, well, my spouse has more of a relationship, it's okay to go to a new person and say, hey, I'm getting divorced. I need to start my own stuff. What do I need to do? And they will absolutely help you. It's it's not terrible, I promise. Just don't let it be an afterthought in the end. Yeah, great point. I actually, I don't know what gave me the idea other than I think there was a situation with our phones where um, I felt like I was going to lose my phone number because he sort of deviously 
<laughs> removed me from the, the account. Oh. Um, and so I think what I did was then after that happened with the phones, I was like, okay, I'm not going to go through this again. <laughs> so right. I like called everybody, including our insurance agent. I was like, what do I need to do to make sure nothing has changed without my, and she, and I just remember the lady saying, oh, so you guys are, have filed for divorce. And I was like, yes. And she goes, okay, I really appreciate you letting me that know that, that, I don't know, they code something, you know, some way so that now, you know, anybody that calls in is going to be, you know, they're going to be aware that they're, that this is what's going on. So I was like, okay. So I think, and that's one of the things that I have on my prep guide for, for people that are considering or getting ready to file for divorce check with your insurance agents and all of these different utilities and different things to make sure that unilateral decisions cannot be made. So it goes back to don't be ashamed. You've made a decision. You made a very empowering decision. Claim your independence, girl, and just handle it. Yeah, It's going to suck for just a little bit, but just be like, all right, if I don't handle this now, it could get messy later. So just feel, okay, as silly as this sounds, Feel empowered that you have your own auto policy. Right? Yeah, it doesn't sound silly. Yeah, feel empowered that you let them know, hey, we're going through this situation. We're getting divorced and they will tell you what the insurance guidelines are that you need to do. Let that yeah. be something that you feel like you've accomplished something and you're looking out for yourself. Yeah, that's a that's a great place to close because that's true across the board, whether you're talking about the relationship as a whole or these little things like insurance, take control of what's yours in a responsible and pleasant way. It doesn't it's not being vindictive. It's not doing anything wrong. You're just dealing with the situation. And it's really it really is very empowering to do those things. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for being here, Jessica. Sure. Thanks for having me. Listeners, has this helped you to see your divorce differently, or at least given you hope that one day, probably sooner than you think, you'll be able to see it and experience it in a much more favorable way? I hope so. If you want to talk more about this, or if you'd like me to make a personal introduction for you to Jessica, please email me at Annie at startingoverstronger.com. Maybe you're facing more than expected in your divorce and you need more support than you've been getting. There is information on the Starting Over Stronger website about private and group divorce coaching services. You can also book a discovery call there to explore how to get your needs met before, during, and after your divorce. Don't think you can't afford it. If you can afford your attorney, you can afford me. And in fact, I will most likely reduce your attorney's fees by helping you to create a more positive and productive relationship with your attorney and allowing him or her to do their job well because you're getting your emotional and organization organizational needs met elsewhere. Honestly, one of my biggest resources of referrals is... I'm going to say that again. Honestly, one of my biggest referral sources are attorneys. As you all know, there have been several on the show and many more to come. And this is because they know they don't want to do the work for you that I do, helping you plan, organize, process emotions, and work on personal development. They just want to conduct the legal process of your divorce on your behalf. And you coming to them prepared, level-headed, and clear on what you need and want is a gift to them and most importantly to you. You don't have to just go through divorce. You can grow through your divorce. Make life after divorce the new beginning and happily ever after that you thought your marriage was going to be. And it's okay to accept that failure or ending, or I like the word completion, as a necessary part of winning and beginning again. Pivot when life doesn't go your way. It's the only way to create a life you can love. 
Until we meet again, remember there is help as you divorce and hope as you are starting over stronger.